God is good all the time. Welcome to Charter Sunday. This is our second anniversary of celebrating that we are an independent congregation. If you are unfamiliar with our story, take a quick look. Here's a snapshot of our story. In 1953, Christ United Methodist Church was formed. The first worship service was held in the old Pontiac School basement on November 18, 1953, and began with 53 charter members. In 1965, the church constructed a permanent building on Lincoln Highway. In 1994, the church voted to relocate and purchase 12 acres of land where the facility currently sits. In 1996, construction was complete and the church moved to its current location on what is now Frank Scott Parkway. In 1997, the average Sunday worship attendance was 210 people. Over the next 10 years, Christ Church grew by 10% a year and added an education building, gymnasium, and sanctuary that seats 1,100 people. Between 2010 and 2020, Christ Church renovated the chapel, added a bookstore and cafe, renovated the student lounge, added a three-floor children's wing, and planted campuses in Collinsville, Millstock, outside of Scott Air Force Base, and launched a vibrant church online campus. In 2018, Christ Church was recognized as being one of the 100 fastest growing churches in the United States by Outreach Magazine. In 2021, Christ Church disaffiliated from the United Methodist Church and became an independent congregation. What type of kingdom impact has Christ Church made over the last 25 years? Thousands of people have given their lives to Jesus Christ and 1,500 people have joined the church by profession of faith. Christ Church has also celebrated over 1,200 first-time baptisms. We have reached out to our community by partnering with local nonprofits and donating thousands of backpacks to the Christian Activity Center, as well as tens of thousands of non-perishable items to local food banks. Christ Church continues to reach people in Honduras and the Philippines through mission trips, evangelistic campaigns, health clinics, scholarships, and much more. Connecting people with Jesus Christ, down the hall, around the corner, and around the world. Today our stories are coming together. We can't wait to see how God is going to use you at Christ Church. We determined after our disaffiliation to annually celebrate this event. We are now a fully independent congregation. We're part of an affiliation, a network of churches called the Foundry Network. There are 12 churches that are part of our network that range from Granger Community Church in Indiana all the way to the Orchard in Tupelo, Mississippi. We're going to celebrate this event on the third Sunday after Easter every single year. My task today is to lead us in the process of thanking God for the past, celebrating the future, and hearing God. God, what are you saying to us right now? What is God saying to Christ church as we move forward? We have thrived by any measure since our disaffiliation. Combined attendance is currently averaging over 3,700 a week. We are reaching over 1,800 people each week in live and online discipleship opportunities. 
As you can see, our attendance has uh, returned to pre-pandemic levels, which is almost unheard of throughout the United States. In the past two years, we've received 1,362 formal members, and we've celebrated 187 baptisms. Spirit winds are blowing, our sails are popping, glory be to God. So what's God saying to us today? As always, let's go to the Bible and get some context. The the pastoral letter of 2 Timothy is addressed from the Apostle Paul to his protege, Timothy. Paul probably wrote this letter from a Roman prison just before his execution in 65 AD. Timothy is the son of a Greek father and a Jewish mother from Lystra in Asia Minor. His life changed when Paul and Silas came through town on their second missionary journey. Timothy is converted, circumcised, and joins the ministry team. As they push into Greece, he eventually heads up the ministry work in Macedonia. We as Christians believe that the Bible has two rings. We call it the double ring. One is the Bible is to who the Bible is to. So Paul is writing to Timothy. Yes, But we believe there's a second ring. And in the second ring, we also believe that God speaks to us through the Bible. In fact, I'm going to argue that the most clear and consistent way to hear God is through study of the Word of God. Otherwise, you'll end up all over the place. So here's God's Word to us, God's Word to the church. Number one, stop fighting. Verse 14. Remind everyone about these things and command them in God's presence to stop fighting over words. Such arguments are useless and they can only ruin those who hear them. I don't know of one person that ever came to Jesus because somebody loved them enough to fight with them. Not one. Disaffiliation resulted in much more than us receiving a deed to this property. It also delivered us a deed to our narrative. Christ Church is committed to biblical truth in Christian love. I'm going to say that one more time. We are committed to biblical truth in Christian love. Our beliefs are cl- stated clearly on our website and we stand unwavering upon our beliefs. Why are we so clear about what we believe and where we stand? So that we don't have to waste our time in constant debate about things the Bible has already decided. You can choose to be a part of this church or not be a part of it. But we're not going to fight with you about it. We're not going to sit and argue about it. Agreement frees us to focus our attention from all of the things the American church is swirling about. And it allows us to apply our resources to things like winning people to Jesus, making disciples, and impacting our community in the name of Jesus Christ. So if you are visiting for the first time today, and you were hoping to attend the first church of hiss and spit, we are not going to be that. That is not what we do here. I believe that the perpetual internal fighting that rages within the American church has done more to hurt the Christian witness in America than any of the presenting issues. My dad says it best, he who throws dirt loses ground. (laughs) I'm not going to throw dirt. 
I'm not going to lose ground. Number two, get to work. Get to work. Verse 15, work hard so you can present yourself to God and receive his approval. Be a good worker, one who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly explains the word of truth. Christian living in an increasingly pagan and openly hostile culture requires hard work on our parts. And I'm going to say more hard work than it required of our parents and our grandparents and our great-grandparents. The traditional church must increasingly function as an unapologetic counter-cultural movement. We are instructed to live out our faith in such a way as that God would approve of our efforts. And guys, it's not just believing the right stuff. It's also having the right attitude about what we believe. We're doing something at Christ Church called 500. The vision was really simple. We were praying that God would have 500 people from this congregation who would step up and agree to invite one new person to church every week for 60 weeks. That's the 500. We have seen God do such incredible things through these invitations. Maybe you're here today because somebody invited you. And if you are, I want you to know how welcome you are. I also want you to know you've picked the perfect Sunday to attend. If I was attending a church for the first time, I'd want to know, what do you people believe? You're going to find that out today. It's going to be really clear. So perfect Sunday. But part of what we invite people to when we invite them to church isn't just to attend a worship service. When I read the studies that are out that reflect on our culture, it says people are looking for two things today. Number one, they're looking for a sense of purpose. And number two, they're looking for community. I want to argue that I believe that the church of Jesus Christ, as it offers a faithful witness to the gospel, is the best chance that people today have of finding purpose and community. You see, there's more to life than seeing how much money you can make. There's more to life than seeing how many things you can accumulate. There's more to life than seeing how far you can climb up of a corporate ladder. We need a sense of purpose. And we as a church offer that. We believe we are here to be the physical presence of Christ in the world until his return. So let me just paraphrase. We're here to do Jesus' stuff. And Jesus' stuff isn't to sit around fuss all day. Jesus' stuff isn't to do nothing. We are here to offer a sense of purpose. We're also here to offer a sense of community. This is a place that people can come. It's a place where we gather together in love and in grace and in fellowship. I believe that when you invite someone to church, you're inviting them to an alternative to the unhinged mania that defines our culture today. And you're inviting them into something warm and beautiful and soul-sustaining. I believe the gospel's good news and we are inviting people in to that good news. A life of purpose and peace and power and passion and a community to be a part of. As your pastor, I am committed to the building of a theologically sound, loving, evangelistic, and missionally grounded congregation. We have a lot of work to do. We need to crack at it. Get to work. Number three, run from sin. Verse 22, run from anything that stimulates youthful lusts. 
This gets us to the whole problem of sin. The Greek word we translate sin is actually a competitive archery term. It means to shoot at a target and miss. Literally speaking, sin means to miss the mark. I think of God's perfect intentions for your life and mine as the bullseye. Sin is anything we do or don't do that causes us to miss the bullseye. So my definition of sin is being anything less than everything God has created us to be. And we can miss the bullseye to the left or to the right. We can miss it high or we can miss it low. Sin hates to be called out. That's why when you stand for truth in a demonic culture, people don't argue with you. They launch into a hyperbolic hysteria. Sin will always beg to be tolerated, ask to be accepted, and then demand to be celebrated. I've never more seen this in my lifetime than I'm seeing it right now. Sin doesn't hide, it parades. Sin wants to be seen. But the whole problem with sin is that it'll kill you. It'll kill you in this world, and it'll kill you in the life to come. The problem with sin was so well articulated by C.S. Lewis. Sin is an ever-increasing appetite for ever-decreasing pleasure. Think about that. An ever-increasing appetite for ever-decreasing pleasure. What is Paul's remedy to sin? Run from it. Run from it. Number four, live in purity. Instead, instead of what? Instead of pursuing youthful lust, instead pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Next Sunday, I'm going to kick off a four-week series called In Search of the Holy. Holiness means to be set apart for a special purpose. And what that really means is that Christians are called to be different from the world at large. Upon meeting Jesus, the imperative is always go and sin no more. It's never as you were. We believe that right and wrong are determined by the teachings of Jesus and the Bible, not the opinion of 51% of Americans surveyed. We strive to live faithfully. We strive to prioritize God above all things. We understand that unconditional love does not require unconditional approval. And we choose to live in peace while an unhinged world rages around us. There's no biblical understanding of conversion apart from repentance of sin and living in purity. None. Number five, enjoy fellowship. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. A decade or so back, we came up with what is now known as the Cafe at Christ Church. We decided we were not only going to form a cafe, but we were going to do it really, really well. We invested in machines that make really, really good coffee. We served wonderful, wonderful things to eat for the purpose of making Christ Church a third place. A sociological third place is simply this. Our first place is home, family, that kind of thing. Our second place is where we work or where we go to school. But there's a lot of competition for that third place. Everybody from the corner bar to kids sports competes for people's third place. We envisioned people coming to church 
Not just worshiping. Not just worshiping and maybe stay in a class. But coming to church and hanging around for a while. Getting a good cup of coffee. Making some friends. Today, you get to eat free cupcakes. Because is it really a celebration if you have to pay for cupcakes? And so today, free cupcakes out there. Go get you a cupcake. Get a cup of coffee. Enjoy one another. We envision people not just attending church, but making new friends and eating and sharing and doing life together. On Wednesdays, before our Going Deeper worship service, we open the cafe at about 5.30 or so. And this week, as I was walking around greeting people before Wednesday, I, I do that. I saw three separate occasions where people were praying for each other. I mean, I'm just walking around. I, I came up on three separate occasions where people were praying for each other. Somebody's standing there being prayed for, and somebody else or two other people have their hands on their shoulder. They are praying for that person. Not pastors. Not pastoral staff. Not even people with name tags. These are regular people <laughs> praying for other people. People. And as I walked around, people were eating and getting to know each other. One table was laughing hysterically. The other table was crying. And people were praying for each other. You want to know what I, you want to know what I call that? A Christian community. When my son was young, he worked at Lowe's in Belleville. And one day, one of his co-workers came up to him. This would be years ago. They came up to him and they said, hey, your dad's the Christ Church guy, right? And Zach said, yeah. And they said, you know, it's kind of weird, but with the exception of Cardinals and, and Rams jerseys, we see more Christchurch sweatshirts than anybody else. What is Christchurch? And he stopped for a minute and he said, it's a community, really. That's what we are. We're a community. Number six, be kind. Offer your gifts and be patient. Verse 24, a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone, must be able to teach, be patient with difficult people. Teams thrive when everybody knows their role, performs it with excellence, and sacrifices for a greater good. I am no more important than you are here, and you are no less important than I. All I'm doing is what God has asked me to do and what God has equipped me to do. And all I ask of you is to do what God asks you to do. And what God has equipped you to do. Those who serve Christ in the context of the church are not only asked to serve, but he also addresses our attitude. Attitude matters. Attitude matters. So this is the attitude. We are not to be quarrelsome. We are to be kind we are to be willing to use our gifts and we are to be patient with people that I call EGRPs, extra grace required people. <laughs> do you guys know any extra grace required people? Please do not point. <laughs> As a senior pastor, I strive to stir up what is virtuous and upright in us. What they would have called in the 19th century are best angels. And I try to diffuse 
what is damaging and destructive. I want to point to beautiful things. Like what I saw Wednesday night before church. We are to be kind to one another. We are to offer the gifts that God has given us in the service of Christ in the context of the church. And we're to be patient with each other. You say, but it's really hard to be patient. I have no doubt, but it gets a lot easier for me to be patient with others when I remember how patient people were with me when I was young. Number seven, gently instruct. Gently instruct. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the church. Do you, do you note, it doesn't say, take them on on social media. It says gently instruct. To be gentle, one has to be capable of inflicting harm but choose not to. A bear can be gentle, a mouse cannot. Paul counsels us not to argue with those who oppose truth. Don't try to destroy people intellectually or through rhetoric who disagree with you. Just gently instruct them. And I think that's what I try to do here. I am going to preach and teach the Bible here at Christ Church. So if you're looking for someone who preaches partisan politics from the pulpit... Or if you're looking for somebody who's on the We Apologize for the Bible tour, I will not be the pastor for you. What I will do is I will proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. And I will teach the Bible to the very best of my ability. I'll keep a smile on my face and a song on my heart. But I will not budge from biblical truth on one hand. And I will not offer quarter to those espousing apostasy on the other. Being firm and gentle, I hope to convert non-believers and sway the hearts of those who disagree with God's word. I'm not trying to run people off who disagree with me, but they're not going to be running over me either. I am going to attempt to gently instruct. Number eight, seek repentance. Then, if we gently instruct, then they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap. For they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. You know, it's really interesting if you look at the syntax here. What Paul's saying is these people aren't in their right minds. Is there any explanation for a lot of what we're seeing on the news today other than people are not in their right minds? I was asked this week, just point blank, what is wrong with people? Sin is wrong with people. The devil has a hold of people. That's what is wrong with them. I have no other word to describe many aspects of the condition of our culture today than demonic. America is lost. And our only hope is Jesus. Paul is an evangelist. He doesn't hate the pagan people who surround him. But he loves them too much not to challenge them in their sin. Love doesn't say everything you do is wonderful. Love doesn't say if you think you're a horse, we'll all just buy a big shovel and feed you oats. Love says turn to Jesus. 
Repent of your sin. Get some sense about you and get out of Satan's grip. We have a nation full of people being held captive by Satan. And it is time for the church of Jesus Christ to set about the task of setting them free. So let's get back to the basics. Our mission here, we exist to connect people with Jesus Christ. It's all we do. Anything that happens here, somebody had to convince me it's going to connect people with Jesus Christ. We got a motorcycle riding group out there called Sons of Thunder. If you're a biker, take a look at it. You want to know why it's here? Because I was convinced it connects people with Jesus Christ. We're going to have Bible school. You want to know why we're going to have Bible school? Because I was convinced it connects people with Jesus Christ. Everything we do here connects people with Jesus or we don't do it. That's our mission. Our strategy is to reach out, welcome, and disciple through worship and service. We are an evangelistic church. We believe in Christ. We believe the gospel is good news. We are going to welcome the folks that come here. And we are going to do our best to make disciples of them. We're going to worship with hearts ablaze. And we're going to roll up our sleeves and engage with this world in the name of Jesus. That's what we are going to do. Our core values are very, very simple. We will effectively connect people to Jesus Christ. You say, wow, that's kind of redundant. Nope. If you're going to be a bear, be a grizzly. And if we're going to have a mission, by gosh, we're going to be good at it. We're going to effectively do this. Number two, we will stand unwavering in biblical truth. Number three, we will maintain a winsome spirit of Christ-like love. I tell people all the time, we're going to stand for biblical truth here. So if you aren't going to stand for the Bible, we're not going to be the church for you. But even if you stand for the Bible, if you want to be ugly to people, we're not going to be the church for you either. We're going to maintain a winsome spirit of Christ-like love. Number four, we're going to embrace the power of the Holy Spirit. You want to know what the problem with many churches today? We've We've grown Holy Ghost intolerant. There are so many churches in America, they're more than happy to spend all day discussing whether or not Jesus literally rose from the dead. But if you move the pulpit two inches to the left, you got to get the paddles out to try to get people back. Guys, we're going to embrace the power of the Spirit. We need to realize that when the Holy Spirit comes down, the first thing that's taken from us is our illusion of control. I want enough order here to make sure we do things decently, but I want to make sure that the Holy Spirit is free to flow in this church. Number five, we're going to be committed to authentic Christian community. We are all different We all have different stories. We learn from each other. We grow as we share life together. What unites us is Jesus Christ. We are committed to authentic Christian community here. Number six, we will celebrate a ministry of remembering. The world tears people apart. I want to be a church that helps put people back together. Remember. And number seven, we will move into the future with joyful optimism. I'm excited about the future. I saw a bumper sticker once. It's among my very favorites. It said, I can't wait until tomorrow because I get better looking every day. (laughs) That's kind of how I feel about Christ Church. I'm excited about the future. We've made some tough decisions in the past few years to get us to the place that we have a glorious future ahead of us. 
Our membership vows here are to uphold Christ's church with our prayers, presence, gifts, service, and witness. So don't join this church if you're not going to pray for us. Don't join this church if you're not going to be an active part of our worshiping community. Don't join this church if you don't plan to give of your resources and volunteer your time and talent. Don't give of this church. To, don't join this church if you're not willing to roll up your sleeves and find a ministry. Don't join this church if you're not excited enough about it to invite someone to join you. As we move forward, just got six quick things I want to share with you as we cast vision for the future. Number one, invite, invite, invite. We're staying with 500. You're going to just keep staying with, keep inviting your friends. Keep inviting your neighbors. Keep inviting your classmates. Invite, invite, invite. Get them here and let's see what God can do. My deal with you is real simple. You invite people to come to church. I'll tell them about Jesus once they get here. That's the deal I make with you. Number two, we're going to reallocate some resources the world, as it's rebooted from the pandemic, is just different than it was before. So we will be discontinuing some things that are simply not fruitful enough. And we're going to move resources toward things that are highly fruitful or potentially fruitful. Number three, we're going to develop the next generation of leaders. I am passionate about making sure that the church of Jesus Christ is well-led for the decades to come. And the place to start developing those great leaders is right now. We're investing in young leaders. Number four, we're going to position ourselves for growth. I don't know if you've noticed, but we don't have a lot of seating and parking here at 930. We're going to be making some changes. We're going to be working with how to better manage the growth of this church. Number five, the sanctuary remodel and the infrastructure updates are still going to happen. We originally planned them to be happening right now. They're about a year away, but they're still coming. And number six, when all this is done, we certainly realize that our church is in debt and we will address that debt so that we give the next generations of leadership every opportunity to be effective here. Anytime we talk about the future, anytime I talk about it with anybody, my tenure always comes up. So I thought I'd make an official announcement today. I am not going anywhere. Some of you have always suspected that one of these days, Melissa and I are going to drift into the woods and never be seen again. We fully plan to drift back out of the woods. I will take off my Carhartts and put on a suit, and I will be here each and every Sunday. So I just want you to know, I'm not going anywhere. I honestly feel like I'm doing the best ministry of my life. I've got Holy Ghost rattling in my bones and I don't feel like I've lost a single mile per hour off my fastball. And when it does come time to retire, and at some point it will, be assured I intend to leave this church laser focused on our mission, strategically aligned, effective in ministry, excellently staffed, financially strong, and fully poised to keep connecting people to Jesus until he returns. That is a covenant that I make with you. I want to say thank you for this journey. The past three or four years have been challenging, but the past couple of years have been wonderful. I want to say thank you for being a part of this church. Thank you for upholding the church with your prayers and your presence and your gifts and your service and your witness. And right now, we decided when we became a new independent church that we were going to re-up membership 
each year. It's not something you gotta fill out paperwork, but it's something that we ask all of our members to restate their membership vows every single year and just sort of re-up. So if you are a member, a formal member of Christ Church, I'm gonna ask you to stand right now for the renewal of your membership vows. Please stand. I would ask you, do you profess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, put your whole trust in his grace, and promise to serve him in union with the church? If so, say, I do. Do you renew the solemn vow and promise made at your baptism? If so, say, I do. And will you uphold this church with your prayers, your presence, your gifts, your service, and your witness in this upcoming year? If so, say, I will. Dear God, I pray your blessing upon these members. Give them strength as they live into the vows that they have made. In Jesus' strong name, amen. Now I'm going to ask everybody to please stand up. As we transition toward communion, immediately after this service, we are going to have our annual on-ramp for new members. So if you are ready to join this church and be a part of our covenant community... Reverend Carmen is going to be right up here to my left. Those of you online, there will be a link. But she will be right up here after church is over. And you can take your vows at that point. I'm excited about the future. As our communion stewards come forward, would you join me as we bless these elements? Almighty God, we pray your blessing upon these gifts of bread and wine. Make them for us the body and blood of Christ. That we might be Christ's body in this world redeemed by his blood. Forgive us of our sin. Forgive us for the things we do that we shouldn't and the things that we should that we don't. Forgive us that we miss the mark in so many ways and free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus, thank you for what you have done. And we realize that salvation is not a prize to be earned by our own good deeds. It's a gift to be received because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. We lean into that. Even on this day, we ground ourselves into the historic Christian faith. Thank you, dear God, that you love us. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for our sins. Thank you that on the third day he rose from the dead. And thank you that he will one day return for his church. In the meantime, Lord, we plan to keep on serving you and loving each other. It's hard in a fallen world, but we lean into you and to your word that you will direct us and lead us and guide us. I pray at the end of the day that we would be a church that is pleasing to your heart. That's my only aspiration, that you would be pleased with us. We thank you. In Jesus' strong name, amen. At Christ Church, you do not have to be a member to receive communion. We take the bread, we dip it in the juice and just eat it that way. If you would like pre-packaged communion, those are here. And if you need gluten-free communion, they're to each side of the altar. There are places to take communion on both sides of the balcony. Table set. Jesus has invited the likes of us who wouldn't want to be a part of that meal.